Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Just Riding Along in 2019. Tonight's episode is brought to you by the letter F. That is correct, the letter F. And with that, we're going to start our show off. We have a handful of donations. Um, I'm going to start with this one. So, Russell from the Bohemian Stow Mill, which is a 100-mile gravel bike race in Nebraska. He sent over like 20 or 25 bucks cash along with a couple of really nice posters and postcards that you need to send in to get on the roster. Um, he was nice enough to include a handwritten note. Hey, Andrea and Matt, I love the show. Thanks for the countless hours of entertainment. I know Eastern Nebraska is quite a drive, but I hope you enjoy the poster anyways. And the poster was fucking cool. And that was from Russell, um, which was really awesome. And then we got another, oh, shoot. Where did that go? Um, oh, it's right here. Yep. We got a listener question and a donation. We're going to go through the donation part first. This one's also analog. They they yeah, typed up an email and then stuff. printed it out and sent it to me. And said, I was able to build... So this is Brian. I was able to build a time machine and went back in time and fucked myself. I spent the past several months driving between Charlotte and Raleigh weekly, listening to your episodes dating back to 2016. And I'm now fucked, having listened and fucked because I'm out of episodes. But I'm not going to get fucked harder going back before 2016. Too much hurt and not enough lube to handle going back that far. <laughs> Here's a donation of Lay Dicky Fingers for you. Conversion rate to regular middle fingers is now 4,621,236 LDFs to one regular middle finger. So as worthless as Dicky himself. So should we explain what a Lay Dicky Finger is? And what it is is a it is team dicky in his sleeveless t-shirt and bibs with cd shoes of course and his road helmet and fucking awful fu manchu mustache and road helmet and he is riding a fist but instead of like a bar stem combo he's just like sitting on this hand and a middle finger is up in front of him like a unicorn um yeah so there's that. So it's just a cartoon rendition of Dickie riding a middle finger. Which is a cartoon of a real human in general. Um, so <laughs> He is a cartoon. Um, and he said, please rant again on Pivot and everything else. Your follow-up cave in to your overlords was a bit disappointing. I tune in for the unfiltered intel, which is refreshing in a sponsor-driven review world, which you all expose me to the realities of where there is never a bad review. Let me finish. This really does not help the end consumer in any way, and we really need you all to keep telling it how it is. Great show. Keep it up. Brian, a.k.a. Where's My Bike on Instagram. Look, so. Brian, you know what you can do if you don't like that we had a little bit of caving there? Just vote with your dollars and, and encourage all of your friends to do the same thing. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And then we have some good old digital stuff as well. So, Harry Hassel, I don't think any, I just don't trust any Texas names anymore. Harry Hassel. Is that a city? I don't know if that's a real name or not. Wait, is that a person or a city? No, I know who this is now. It is someone fucking around. That is not a real person's name. Hey, gang, thanks for making the road trips to the mountains even better. Fun fact, fun Texas fact, uh, up to a felony charge can be levied for 
for promoting the use of or owning more than six dildos. So if you ever get down to visit Texas, five dildos or less, sincerely, Harry Hassel from Old Dime Box, Texas. And he sent over five dollars. Old Diamond Box? Old Dime Box. Oh, Dime Box. Okay. And then there was another one from Nathan. Oh, load please. He says Nugget Life and just sent over twenty five bucks. So those are our donations just to start there. And then do we want to cover like kind of Salida news real quick? Can I just ramble through that and then move on into regular show stuff? Yeah, sure. So on Saturday, May eleventh, sometime in the afternoon there will be a fun ride. And then that evening, Slida Mountain Trails will have a raffle. And that raffle, or there's a member party. I'm sorry. It's a fundraising member party. It's $25 to get in the door. Get in the door, get you access to the taco bar, which is included. And then a cash bar, which is a cash bar. If you don't know how that works. It's discounted from their normal restaurant prices. Yeah, it's happy hour pricing all night. And we'll have a silent auction, a live auction, including a Rocky Mountain bicycle. Thanks, Parker. And we will have a great time. So if you want to come down on March 11th or May 11th, awesome. If you can't make that weekend, come down the following weekend. We will have at Absolute Bikes 20th anniversary party. So May 19th, which is a Sunday, Ibis Yeti, Pivot, Revel, Rocky, some other people that I, it's hard to remember all this off the top of my head. They're going to be there. We'll do demos in the day. We'll do a group ride and then we'll do our 20th anniversary party in the evening and it'll be awesome. So if you want to come down to slide and party with us in May, we have two really good weekends. Uh, if you could only make one, if you've already got a bike and you don't need to do demos, please come to the slide of mountain trails one instead because it benefits a greater cause. And I'll just say that I love where I work, but in reality, Salida Mountain Trails is awesome, and they could use your dollar-dollar bills, y'all. So that's Salida news, and I don't think I have anything else that I need to cover. Does anybody want to talk about what's been going on? I've been riding a bunch. Have you actually ridden outside, Kenny? Uh, ride outside? Let's see. Yeah, I did a short ride at one of our like more exposed trails, and it's uh, snow is just starting to melt. Pretty good time to be able to get out on the mountain bike for real, semi-local. It's pretty darn nice today. The next uh, whole rest of the week is going to be super nice. So, yes, I will be getting out and riding a whole bunch more. Uh, nothing too exciting. No, like, down south trips or anything. Been kind of just hanging out, um, getting ramped up for the season at the shop. I don't think I've bought anything new. Let's see. Have I bought any new products? I put some new wheel bearings in my SRAM 900 hub that is now, like, three years old um anybody that does that it's a really wacky size bearing um at least the one that i replaced was wacky sized like it says i'm making up a number here i don't remember what it was it said like 6803 on it but it's not really a 6803 it's like a mil thicker uh which is annoying i hate when they put like regular um shields regular, regular bearing like numbers on there but it's not the real thing so Anyway, uh, what else? Anything else on the bike? I will probably, not super soon, but I'll probably be getting the Wireless Eagle um, and take the DI off my bike. The DI on my bike, while it's been honestly phenomenal, 
it's getting a little tired. Like you can grab that rear derailleur and it just kind of has a lot of wiggle points that aren't supposed to be wiggle points. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> but it still shifts pretty damn good. And I mean, yeah, even if it died tomorrow, I wouldn't be upset because it has, well, oh, a you ridiculous had that in amount Memphis, of miles. Right? I had it in Memphis. I had it in my RKT when I first built it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's probably 5,000 miles, something like that, but um, definitely a lot of age and it still works great. Uh, just about that time, it'd be nice to have the extra range and uh, just have something nice and cool and new on the bike. So that'll be coming soon. I'll let you guys know when that gets installed. Um, I wish they could deliver that shit. Yeah, we got one already, which is pretty cool. Um, we definitely, I think we're one of the first people to get one. Uh, they only let us get completes, of course. I think we ordered, I don't know, a bunch, maybe 10 of them or something like that. But we get—we got one kit in, and it sold that day. So The Path had some like three weeks ago, which is total horse shit. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, we had ours about a week ago is when it came in. So anyway, it's gone. And yeah, if anybody wants one and you can't find one, definitely give my shop a call. You're not going to be getting a deal, so just don't even, don't even ask. Because uh, <laughs> if, any, if anything, it's a premium because people will kill each other over that right now. So 2500 um, it retails for two. Okay, go buy it for two, motherfucker. Yeah, no, we sell. We definitely sold the other one for high MSRP. So high MSRP is twenty two, low MSRP is two, and we definitely sold that one for twenty two. Got them. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not like it just is what it is. Like you know, there's demand. It's like it's the newest, hottest shit you can get. So yeah, I mean, don't be bummed when like you know. I think the new the new Z06 Vet has like a markup on it from the dealer because. You know, they were allowed to get one. Yeah, this and I've actually... I've, never mind. Blah, blah. Uh, 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 go ahead. I've heard stories of, like, Colorado dealers for Ford buying Raptors from, like, places in Chicago and shit. They can't sell them. I uh, don't doubt that for a second. And, like, we had a customer that flew to Chicago or Minneapolis... Like a big city. It's probably Chicago. I think he flew to Chicago. He drove to Denver and flew to Chicago and road tripped home with his son to pick up his brother's new Raptor because it was like $8,000 less than Colorado. I like the trucks here. Dang, dang. Vroom, vroom. I was just going to say that now that wireless 12 speed is out and will eventually become more available, I have mechanical hydro. 11 speed red that i should probably sell because if i build another drop bar bike i want it to be wireless yeah so if you need that like hydro good good it's post mount hydro red 22 there's no derailers though it's just shifters and calipers yeah there you go i got it to put on my ibis when i had the haka yeah and then i put the haka back to stock but i had used it with the the like drivetrain bits that were on the Haka. So yeah, it's basically like it's, I mean, it's a big chunk of a group. Also, uh, while we're talking about shit, that's for sale. I'm going to go with the, I'm going to lead with the one that's not surprising. My Crockett still available. I'm done with the bike for real now. So if you need a Trek Crockett in like a 61 centimeter, that's purple. I don't really have wheels that I want to sell with it. I have 650 wheels. I would sell with it, but no crank set. Um, it's got like rival 22 on it, um, uh, all mechanical too. So like BB sevens, 
But real news, sold the Crave this week. She oh, gone. Man. Yep. So what bikes do you have now? Um, I have the Vertex, so carbon hardtail. I have the Hey Duke steel single speed all mountain hardtail. Oh, Kenny just sold something. <laughs> you got the, got the old eBay going there. Here, let's see if we can shut this shit up. Sorry. No, let's tell <laughs> us. Like, did you sell those dildos? He had to sell uh, one of his dildos so he wouldn't be illegal in Texas. Yeah, yeah, I had to take, I had to take one out of the out of the six pack there. Um, oh man, it's like the Guinness like holiday five pack. <laughs> um, so Vertex, Hey Duke, and the Element demo bike, and the Crockett needs to go away. But I'm down to four. I don't count my town bike and my BMX bike. I just don't. I don't know why they're not like. Like, the town bike is just a town bike, and the BMX bike, I don't know. I, it just doesn't count to me. And if you're like, well, you own it, well, sure, but it's it would be like, it's worth like 200 bucks, and it lives on my back porch. Like, it's not something that I really care about. So, I couldn't really sell it for enough to justify not having it, but I ride it like never. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's me. It's the hardtail life i'm trying to get rid of one more aluminum bike because then i would just have carbon and steel which would be pretty pretty awesome uh anything else that i want to talk about is who's talking i feel like we just talked about yeah your... we're just talking about stuff no I've we just i think we kind of kind of updated what everyone was doing do we have like questions to hit or andrew oh, dude. you got more well i, I was just gonna say i was gonna plug linda wallenfels again like I do every episode because uh, I'm I'm putting out some fucking watts. I'm at like basically what I've been pretty good the last few summers, like midsummer when I start to get tired of training. I'm I'm there, like I'm pretty much there, and just still going. Like I feel good, and I mean this is a rest week, and I'm glad I've got the rest week, but I'm. I'm really, really happy with with it so far. So, uh, if you are looking to get faster, Linda is extremely good. That's all. And if you haven't caught on, I'm done training. I'm not racing Fruta, and I've worked a lot. Like, if- yeah, we've been working a bunch of overtime. Matt more than I because I've been training on my days off and then working part of the day. And Matt's just been like on his days off. He just works all day. I'm just like dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. So what I have done though is for about the last week and change, Salida has been ripping, and I have been fucking riding. Let me tell you about it. It's a lot of short loops, a lot of the same stuff, but I've ridden all the chunky, not all. I've ridden the chunky stuff on the Hey Duke now, like at speed. It's pretty good. Um, it's actually like real good. Uh, it's good enough that I kind of fear for that back wheel on that bike because I feel like I'm going to put myself in a situation where I kapayao wham it into something because it rides really well at speed. And then I have been riding the Element. So my demo bike this year is Rocky Mountain Element C70, and Andrea took her dropper post off and stuff, but I left mine fairly stock. I have carbon wheels on there. And I swapped my brakes because, um, you know, 
Shimano brakes came on it, and I don't ride those. Jesus. Andrew's over there stirring more whiskey into her drink. She gonna die. It's fine. It's mostly water. Um, But I've been riding that bike a good bit, too. Like, kind of like 50-50 between the two. And, man, one of the last rides I did, I, like, kind of unlocked. Like, I just had enough time on the bike, and I figured out how to, like, jump it. And I was like, I unlocked the cheat code on jumping this bike. And, like, boy, howdy, you can put that bike in the air, which is really fun. The Rocky suspension likes to go in the air. It does, and I can tell you what it is. It's single pivot, and single pivot bikes, they don't get chain influence when you try to load the bike to jump it, and it just jumps really well. And if you land, this is something that I'm about to get like real BMX at you. Oh, I got a brain question for Kenny after you're done. If you land, like let's say that you're a person that jumps left foot forward, oftentimes you'll land with pressure on your left foot some and in a DW bike or a VPP or CVA, all that stuff, the bike will, I mean, it's like the bike thinks it's being pedaled because it kind of is. So when the chain is tight, it limits the suspension movement. So nothing rides better than a VPP bike or, you know, multi-link bike with a chain off downhill or a single pivot bike. So, boom. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, I have noticed with my brain fork, it's the RS1 with the brain in it. It mm-hmm. seems like if the fork is, if I'm in the air or if the fork is totally unweighted and has like a sudden hit, that it doesn't suspend very well and it makes a noise like something inside is breaking. So like it tops out or it's, like if it's, it's when it takes the hit after it's in the air. Yeah. Like if I jump and like I'm in the air and then I land in some rocks, it's like it feels almost like a rigid fork when I land. It feels pretty normal once it's like if it's in sag and it and I'm riding like normally it it acts relatively normal, but when I'm in the air and I land in some rocks, like that first hit is just like harsh. Hmm. And it just yeah, I mean, is maybe, noisy and yeah, sounds like maybe that brass mass needs to be like that little inertia thing in there needs to be redone. That's my only guess. I mean, it could be something else for sure. Um, you but, do those yeah. at your shop? Uh, not those. No, those are specialized. <laughs> I think I just need to give it the eBay treatment. Yeah, um, you can definitely send it to Specialized in Salt Lake City, and they can um, they can definitely rebuild it for you. It's um, not that I don't pull that damper out. I think it would feel better if they did, but I don't. Considering this is like a shop bike, that I might I I don't know if I'm going to keep it or not. Um, I mean, I really, really like it, but if I'm going to get one, I would turn this one back in and let the shop sell it and get a new one. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I like the fork enough to keep it and spend money on it. So I might just, uh, I don't know, nuke the whole thing from orbit and try again. (laughs) All right, so, yeah, that kind of sums that stuff up. We want to knock out a couple of quick questions. Sure. So, we're going to start here. Um, crap. Uh, actually, let's start here. 
This is an old email, but I got a follow-up question. Cable sets for GX drive trains. Any brand you recommend, or should I just use the bulk stuff available from any bike shop? So rapid fire, uh, I put a SRAM cable in SRAM shifters. It works great. And then I really like Shimano cable housing. Yeah, that SP41 is good shit. That is the correct answer. SP41 Shimano housing, which is like the cheapy regular Shimano stuff. Maybe there is something cheaper, but that's like what everybody uses, SP41. And then that's 1.2 mil housing. And then use a SRAM regular old stainless cable, you know, the $5 jobby. It's 1.1 mil cable, so that little bit of extra slack, I don't know, seems to work really good. Why, you know, I think a lot of people do that trick. Uh, but it works awesome for us. It's like all we do in the shop. We only have SRAM cables, only have Shimano housing. Yep, that's that's us too. What do you guys charge? Just just to know if we're on, like how our market compares to yours, what are you charging for cable and housing? Uh, like for the actual parts? Yeah. Yep. Uh, we charge $5 for the inner cable. I don't remember what we charge for the housing. Maybe $3 a foot. Cool. Good to know. I'm pretty sure. I, I think we. Well, we're not. We're. I think we're a dollar off on the. No, we turned a two dollar cable into a three dollar okay. cable. And well, a, basically, so the previous service manager was inventorying and charging for, or trying to inventory and charge for the uh, ferrules on the cable housing, oh. which, in theory, is I'm not. I'm not faulting him for it. It just never got put on work orders, so the inventory was no. way off. I mean, and I can tell just, you from experience on all that stuff, you got to keep it simple. You got to bake all that price in because trying right. to manage that shit is just, it's so dumb. And then like, yeah, it, it doesn't lead anywhere good whatsoever. Yeah. So it was just leading to, so we weren't getting paid for it was the problem. Like we yeah. just weren't making that money because it rarely That's went usually what happens though, is when you try to get all anal about that stuff and get all the little onesie twosie things perfect. They end up never getting rung up, and you end up losing money. So right, right. So yeah. you know, I mean, he he tried, and he always did it, which was you know like admir- admirable. But uh, most people writing service tickets didn't, or you know, you just add it on the work order later. And most people don't dispute if you add you know four dollars to their ticket for ferals, but you know it still sucks to add stuff after after the fact. So I just raised the price of a cable by a dollar and the housing by a dollar. Yeah, that sounds very reasonable. I mean, basically just to be very transparent to all you out there, we charge what's called Keystone, uh, for pretty much everything. Uh, even we're pretty close on tubes. Um, we charge a tiny bit more just cause we buy it such bulk. Uh, but I mean, basically what it means is especially on small stuff that, you know, you got to make some money on that stuff or it's not worth carrying it. Um, but yeah, we make about Keystone on it, which means that we make a 50% margin. So, you know, if we sell, if we sell a piece of, you know, one foot of housing and we're buying it in bulk, of course, if we sell one foot of housing for $3, we probably paid about a dollar fifty for it. Right. Oh, do you have, you want to know a high margin thing? Um, QBP sells, um, Presta valve cores. And you can uh-huh. get like a bulk bag of like a thousand of them, and they're eighty cents each. And you know, if you like at retail, if you buy valve cores like a Stans valve core or something, you know, it's like three or four dollars. Really? I thought a Stans. No, I no. Remember what it a was? Valve core, uh, not, not a valve, valve stem. but just no. The I, valve I know, core. I know, because we carry the Stans valve cores, like yeah. the inner things, and oh, we buy it in the, the little QB, 
check in out a the little QBP box thing. of 50 or 100 okay right right yeah check out qbp you'll make like you can charge you know you basically you charge the same no one's going to question it because if you look on the internet that's how much a valve core cost yep so you know you can charge market value for a valve core but only pay 80 cents for it we're giving away our secrets matt shaking his head at me <laughs> uh <coughs> I mean that's how it is in any business. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, I mean, if anyone wants to get their if anyone wants to get their head out of their ass for a second, um, like, do you guys? You everybody understands like what Starbucks? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like what Starbucks? Uh, you know, granted they source a lot of the stuff and all that, but how much does it cost Starbucks to make uh, an espresso? Like you'd shit yourself because I know the answer. I'm not going to share the answer, um, but <laughs> oh, you yeah, would you you'd shit yourself. There. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean that it's not a Starbucks thing. I'm not singling them out. It's just that, hey, that's their that's their thing. They have it, you need it. <laughs> right. Um, that's how it works. Right. Can we answer the rest of this guy's question? Yes, we can. We got <laughs> on a tangent, but that's what we do. That's what also, we do. That's how that's how we roll. Also, why is Yeti dicks about selling small parts to individuals without bike shop intervention? The world may never know. Well, Nate, I'm going to answer this really quickly in a way that you might appreciate. You might hate them still. Wait, what was, you, what was the question? I'm sorry. You can't buy stuff from Yeti. You have to buy Yeti shit from a bike shop. Oh, okay. I got you. And the reason is, if you call Yeti and go, I got this SB66. I need a bearing kit. And then you get the bearing kit. And you try and to put the, the wrong bearing... fucking one because no. you're a dumbass. No, you try to put the bearing kit in with some sockets, and then you call back, bearing kit didn't work. Yeti has to have like 12 people just answering the phone about bearing kits then. It's really like a person's job at that point, but they're like, go to your local bike shop. And when someone comes in, they're like, I need bearings for the 66 carbon. It's like, that thing's broken. Like, get out of here, you know? So... That's why that, it's that. That's the one with the big alloy like pivot thing in the middle of it, isn't it? Sure. I'm just pulling. No, I was a gonna bike. say like that was that. I I did one of those bearing overhauls the other day, and getting that thing back in with their little rubber O rings and shit is a gigantic pain in the ass. Anyways, that's why. Yeah. Because if they sell it to you, they have to serve you, and they have to customer serve you, and by not doing that. They can eliminate at least one full-time employee from their staff, and it's that simple. So, um, and then keep up the good work. Your show is awesome. The type of riding I do means I should probably listen to the path more <laughs> than the JRA. But blah blah. blah. He throws I mean, we swing all the ways. And then he throws a bunch of shade that I'm not going to throw. You and Andrew and Kenny are my homies on no, the job no, to no. work. Throw that shade. Thanks, Nate. No, so, throw the shade. Nate, no. what's your shade? Call in. It's oh, wait, fine. We, don't, we don't do that anymore. Uh, so we're moving on to the next question. Simon says, <laughs> after he, oh God, I just realized. <laughs> Simon says, after hearing the last episode where you talked about racing at high elevations, I figured I'd ask your opinion on stage racing at elevation. A group of us from Pittsburgh are going out this year. Many have done it before and have done well and even won their class. Almost all of us will be single speed and on hardtails. Insert yes. Matt and Kenny Snickers here. But there doesn't seem to be an agreement on preparing, lessening the suffering. Based on your discussion, it seems the options would be move there a year before, <laughs> show up the day before the race, and fuck off and die around day three or so. Accurate. Thanks for the info, Simon. So, first and foremost, if you move there a year before, you won't live in fucking Pittsburgh anymore. 
So there's that. Uh, I I mean, you might love it there, but you know, I don't Colorado's know. Colorado's better. I could go just Steelers. Tell you. Um, that's really all I have. Is I would say show up a year before and race the Breck <laughs> Epic after being a local. Well, if you show up the night before and then race, like you could honestly, like if you're competitive in your category, if you show up and you're a rock star on day one and you can like put some time into some people, then maybe like try and just grasp onto it as tightly as possible and let it slip through your fingers the rest of the week. You know, like you, that wouldn't be a terrible strategy, but. I think we can all agree that get there two weeks ahead of time strategy is the worst of those two, of the three available strategies. It's total junk. Only reason people want you to show up early is so you'll rent things that they want you to rent. Um, I mean, it's, look, if you're just doing it as like a vacation, because I can tell you, like, unless some of you are total total baller like single speeds like someone who's just really awesome is going to show up and kick your butt because it just happens um go and take take a two-week vacation make the second week of it break epic and just have a good time because colorado's awesome there's lots of good riding just ride yourself into the ground and when you get back to pittsburgh you won't even care that you live someplace that's not as cool as colorado because you'll be too tired All right, next question was from Instagram. So, Kevin J.P. says, Matt, been listening to you, Andrew and Kenny, on the Jerry Podcast. I have a question. I have a 2018 Marin Hawk Hill 3. It has a Shimano SLX group. It works okay, but does it shift all that great or consistent? Would it be a good group, or what would be a good group set for my bike as an upgrade? I don't want to spend out the ass, but I still want a reliable group. I live in Missouri with a good amount of technical climbing. And my first recommendation to him was replace the cable and housing with new stuff. That way, if it was junky stuff from the beginning, then maybe you could try fresh stuff. It's fairly cheap. So put nice housing and a nice cable in there. You know, you never know if there's like something kinked in the frame or somewhere you haven't really noticed. So new cable and housing. And if that didn't work, GX Eagle, come on now. Yeah. Uh, Anybody want to add anything to that while I write that down? So one more time, what was uh, what drivetrain did you have on there? SLX one by eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. I would do. I th- I feel like if I had that bike, and I just wanted to do like the easiest thing possible and like splurge where it's really important, I would do the NX cassette, and then I would do a GX derailleur. Uh, you could do the the NX chain. It doesn't really matter. NXGX, whatever. The GX one looks cooler because it's got some black plates in it. And then an X01 shifter. And I can tell you just because I over the weekend I rode my two bikes, uh, my two Eagle bikes back to back. Um, my full suspension has an X01 shifter. The hardtail has a GX shifter. Both of them are in very good working order, very well adjusted, good cable and housing. And the X01, you just like it's easier to shift. And you have an XO1 shifter for that hardtail. You just haven't installed it. You're right. So. I know. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm, I'm just giving my experience. I'm not complaining. Like, the GX still shifts great. It didn't miss any shifts. It just takes, like, I don't know, a quarter of a pound more pressure on your thumb to shift it to an easier gear than the XO1 derailleur. 
or the XO1 shifter. So I don't know. That's just an arbitrary number. That's a educated guess. Yeah, she's not using like a pull gauge like you no, would on like not. a gun trigger or something. She's just making numbers up. I'm just making of- numbers up. Yeah, that's like my that's my educated guess on how much more pressure it takes to shift to a higher gear when you're just stomping on it. All right, so we got more questions. Okay. Gregory K. Hey, hello, JRA gurus. I'm replacing my Guide R brake pads, and I'm having trouble getting the piston to retract enough to not cause drag with my new thicker pads. Any advice? With my single piston Shimano brakes, they just push in pretty easily. Am I doing something wrong? Thanks, Jedi Masters. Um, Overfilled they are. Yeah, so your brakes are probably overfilled. You can open the little bleed port on the top of the lever and push the pistons in. And if it burps out a little bit of oil, that means that they got bled against the old pads. What a customer informed me the other day is called a race bleed. I was told by a customer (laughs) that it's a race bleed when you don't put a bleed block in, which to me it sounds like a Bobo Jangles-ass bullshit bleed. But (laughs) Yeah, I would call that a... um a lazy bleed but i mean all you all you got to do if like you're in doubt it'll it's going to work pretty damn good um all you got to do is just put uh just cram something in those pads if you've got used pads to push those pads back in almost all the way and just bleed right there that's practically where the bleed block sits but not quite so i'd rather do that than like put too much fluid in um and then fuck yourself later down the road or God heaven forbid you put the little plastic piece in there. Or you put a bleed block in it. (laughs) Uh, I think people don't understand. Maybe we should go over this. I don't think people understand why the bleed block exists. It's not there to be an inconvenience. Um, It's there to, A, if you have to do a two syringe bleed or flush, you can do that without destroying your pads. You got to season them, dude. Yeah, but most importantly... It sets the pistons at the correct position so that the whole system has the right amount of fluid so that it will accommodate brand new super thick pads all the way down to the backing plate. And not too much, not too little. That's why they exist. Right. And with guides, um, specifically, I will, like, I bleed them with the bleed block. And then I'll take, before I take the lever syringe off, I'll take the bleed block out and just make sure all of those pistons are pushed all the way back into the caliper. Which is violating the bleed block by like a portion of a millimeter, but it works with guides because the pad clearance is pretty tight. Boom. And also when you're in there, just another thing, since we're talking about stuff and I think it's been a while since we've actually given people tips on like how to work on their shit. Um, If you're doing all this stuff, the whole other thing is when you're replacing pads, I want to use a bleed block anyway. If, well, if I have to do a bleed, of course. But take it as an opportunity when you take your old pads out, even if you're not doing a bleed, why don't you clean around those pistons, um, grab oh, yeah. some isopropyl alcohol and a Q-tip, works awesome, and just clean around those pistons. And if you want to be super awesome, you will move one piston at a time in and out just a little bit and just um, work it in and out, and it'll actually... Um, kind of self-lubricate it with dot five from the backside and it's going to run way better so just or you're basically unclogging all that shit you can dip your q-tip in dot five fluid and rub it on your piston after the piston's clean too yeah so when it's a a used brake that can sometimes help 
yeah. if you have if you have an issue. You in still... my experience, um, as an example, the ceramic piston uh, Shimano's, which is most all Shimano's, those darn things, like if you just treat them well and you clean around the pistons every single time you put pads in, I've never had to like back lube those things. They just right. kind of freaking work. If anything, yeah. what always happens on the Shimano's is that they, the lever will eventually die. I was going to say, they just piss all the fluid out of the lever and it lubricates it that way when it runs out <laughs> the hose onto the brake. It lubricates yeah. the wrong end of the brake. But I will say, the ceramic, it's hard to find a better caliper in the world than a ceramic piston Shimano. Those fuckers just don't die unless you push the pistons in with a screwdriver. And crack them. Yeah, don't or do that. you're like the customer that came in last year and they're like, my pad fell out. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I found them. Or I need new pads. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like trying to get some pads, the pistons to push back in. And I'm like, man, these are like really stuck. And I'm like working on it and working on it. And like I'm working on the, let's call it like the drive side. It's obviously all on the non-drive side. What would be like the inboard or like drive side pad? I'm like, Working one of those back in with a plastic tire lever, and because there is no old pads because they're somewhere on the trail, and I'm like doing that, and like my hand gets wet, and I'm like, what in the hell? And I look, and half of the non-drive side piston is laying on the ground because it had came out, and the rotor caught it and like fractured <laughs> it in half, and as yeah. soon as I put some pressure in the system, it like puked that half of the caliper or that piston out of the caliper, and. I was like, well, and just like looked at him and I was like, you want to buy a new brake today? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so I just like put a new brake on his bike real quick. That's the best part about being like in vacation a bike. stuff. Yeah, like, just like being in a bike shop in a tourist town. It, once it's summer, people are just like, fuck, make it work. Like, please make my bike work. I'm on vacation. I don't. Here's my credit card. Just buy yourself lunch with it. I don't care. All right, so that's Greg's question. We have another one from Chris. He says, There's a Santa Cruz with carbon rims, both of which appear are guaranteed for life for only 6100 It seems too good to be true. Can you check the specs uh, and tell me, like, uh, hold on, I'm kind of confused here. Oh, gosh. Uh, Santa Cruz carbon rims, both of which are guaranteed for life. Only $6,100 is too good to be true. Can you check on the specs for me and do a quick run over to see if this is as good a deal as I think? Or maybe other bikes I might want to check out. Or if I should spend almost two grand more for X01 and better carbon frame. Plan to keep the bike at least five years, if not more, as kids and marriage are in the future plans. And I'm not sure if a second badass bike will be in the budget. I'm looking at the Hightower C carbon and reserve wheels. The 140 travel version. It's the second option if you go to their website. And then you add the reserve to get to sixty one hundred, uh, or click X O one and add reserve wheels to get seven grand or eight. Get the grand. best thing you can right now. Well, hold on. I just want to make sure there's nothing on that high tower that's odd. So, clickety clack. E thirteen cassette or something. Oh my god! <laughs> if there's an E thirteen cassette on that thing, it's just fucking garbage. Look, Throw it we away. got that cassette vice now. We should be able to take care of E thirteen cassettes. Oh, I've got it dialed now. And if you, if anyone, I can take care of one of those with a couple of chain whips, maybe a chisel, and it'll come off, and it's not going back on. Dude, let me tell you the trick for getting those off. I mean this wholeheartedly. 
you want to take an E13 cassette off, what you need to do... Oh, we need another cassette vise so we can use two of them. Nope. I don't think they're going to open far enough to grip on the top of that thing. I don't know how you add reserve wheels to this thing. Oh, here you go. Boom. Ding dong. You know Lay's has beer and cheese chips now? That's fucking disgusting. Um, uh, that's... Yeah, that's that's weird. I bet it's delicious. No, I mean, like, here we go. Okay, let's compare these two bikes. Oh, E13 cassette. I take my chain whip and I whip my chain whip (laughs) and I put it on the largest cog, so like the 46, but it always wants to slip. And if you tell me that I need a new chain whip, I'm going to drive to wherever you are and I'm going to slap you with an E13 cassette. No, with this entire assembly that I'm about to describe to you. The chain whip wants to slip because you don't normally need to chain whip something in the 46 cog because, you know, fucking good bike parts. So um, normally you could like wrap halfway around it. And I'm not going to build a chain whip that has like 80 links in the chain so I can wrap it around this fucking E13 cassette and hope it doesn't slide off and hit me in the fucking eye when I'm trying to remove this creaky piece of shit from some wheel. So (laughs) what I do is I put the chain whip on the 46 And then the tail that would normally want to slip off because this thing's definitely worn out, I just zip tie it to the fucking cassette. (laughs) That way, that chain whip can't slip off. Why have you never shared this tip with me? I don't know. I've done it on the last two. You know whose bike I had to work on all last year? I've just figured it out. I bled on this bike because all she can use is E13 stuff. Who cares? So, um, yeah. If you want, zip tie your shit together. It makes a big difference. So, um, oh, oh, I just figured out what's wrong with these stupid fucking bike. What I'm is looking it? through the specs on this bike. You should not buy the $6,100 one. God, that should be illegal. What did they do to a $6,000 bike that is that bad? Uh, you pay an additional, let's see here. Let's see. How do I go away? Can I unselect these now? Doesn't look like I can unselect the wheels. Uh, the bike goes from forty nine hundred to sixty one hundred, so that's twelve hundred dollar increase for carbon wheels. It comes with three seventy fucking hubs. Oh, are those Ooh. the poppy ones? It comes. Well, with no, they're just they're just three Paul like, yeah. but not good three Paul hubs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jesus, that's a bummer. Who would lace a carbon wheel to that? Santa Cruz. Man, I so, used to gotta, you got to save that cash somewhere. I mean, I'd rather lace it to like a Dior hub. Well, you can't run an XD driver on a Dior hub. <laughs> you can if you really want to. Um, How, wait, 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 wait. Hold up. I don't think he's being How? serious. I'm not being serious, but you could run oh, okay. a uh, NX cassette. Yeah, All run right. that. Uh, yeah. So if we go through the two bikes real quick, I want to talk about the big differences are you get the legitimate concerns are performance elite suspension instead of just regular performance. So more adjustable suspension, you'll get X01 instead of GX, you will get guide RSCs instead of guide R's, and you'll get a carbon bar right out of the box and you get 350 hubs. And if that isn't worth it to you, I'd don't know what to say like i'm not trying to be an asshole there like it's definitely worth the extra money to get the much nicer bike because it's nicer in every way nicer frame nicer suspension legitimate rear hubs like it's way better like it's better to the point that if you couldn't justify that 
I would buy the $4,800 bike and I would put like Knox wheels on it and sell the stock wheels to get the 370 hubs out of my life. Like I'm that serious. So that's all I got for it. I mean, does anyone disagree with that? Yeah, it's cool. Nope, I agree. All right, so let me write that shit down. So Chris has high tire question. And uh, we're going to come back to this, or we could just dig into it right now. Motherfucking high tower, mega tower. The come mega on now. Tower. Wait, mega trail or mega tower? Mega tower. <laughs> I get those two confused. Well, you shouldn't because the mega tower has an aligned frame <laughs> and uh, real quality control on their product. So, um, Bo Bentley says, Nugget issues, no way. And I think this is the video where they're making chicken nuggets. Let me see here. Uh, it looks like it's a video about how gross chicken nuggets are supposed to be. Uh, we'll we'll link to that with the show. So, uh, and then I have another real question from someone named Wayne. Uh, oh, he says you mentioned a good chainstay light sometime last year. What brand and model was it? I just picked up a new gravel bike and promptly bounced my light and a water bottle off. Dang old man. Here's a pic of my new bike because bike foreign. It fits right between my trail bike and my road bike, and I'm pretty happy with it. It's going to get many miles when the trails are nasty. And this is a picture of... Bam, bam, bam. Come on, internets. Oh, uh, looks like a... What is that thing? I think that's a new Trek Crockett, not a checkpoint. It might be a checkpoint. I don't think it is. I think that's a Crockett. might be a checkpoint. I don't know. I'm terrible at this stuff. Noodle bar bikes. They're hard to tell apart. But, yeah, it looks fun. So, uh, that bi- that light is a Saigo Light Hot Shot 30. And the thing that makes it really cool is it rubber bands onto your, like, seat stay. And imagine it has a little portion that mates to the frame. And then between that and the light, there's a little screw that indexes so you can adjust the angle of the dangle. So, you know, if you put a normal light on your seat stay, it just points up and, like, you shine Cessnas out of the fucking sky that are flying over to do crop dusting or something. (laughs) But with this, you can adjust it to where it points and you might distract someone from their cell phone long enough to not run you over. Maybe. Maybe. No guarantees. Because any light marketing that claims that it's your onus of responsibility to use lights to keep you safe is total horse ass because people in cars are going to kill you if they're going to kill you. And your little blinky light probably isn't going to do a lot. And I'm not trying to be an asshole. It's just really annoying that a lot of major companies are victim-blaming people for and scaring them into buying hundreds of dollars worth of lights, thinking that's going to distract someone from angry birds while they pilot their Tahoe at 90 miles an hour down the road. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I got a little ranty there about no, no companies driving. that that try to make it make you feel as though it's your onus uh, to make sure that drivers actually do their fucking job and pay attention. Those companies can just fuck off. There you go. Uh, that kind of covers uh, questions. Unless do we go? We went over that. Um, anything else we want to talk about? Bueller? No. Shut it down. How long was this? Oh, we're under an hour by a long shot. Oh, well, let's talk about some other shit. Uh, Mega Tower. I think that bike would be sick. Look, can I say that I'm really disappointed 
I've looked through, like I, I looked on the article like the day or day after that the uh, Mega Tower was released. And I haven't seen any Gorilla Gravity fanboys get like real butthurt that it sounds similar to Mega Trail. And I, I'm kind of disappointed by that. Like, I don't know why. What's the Mega Trail? Exactly. Uh, it's a bike made by Gorilla Gravity that's like. Kind of like a stump jumper, I think, where there's like 96 bikes in one if you just buy like 42 different parts and some wheel sets and shit. Cool. So it doesn't really do anything well? Yeah. it's. A, I mean, it's a... So it's a company in Denver and called Gorilla Gravity. We did We did an interview. Well, Matt and I did an interview with them once. And I mean, they were pretty cool, but the... Um... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I was just... The people that I know that have those bikes, like the people that I've dealt with through the shop that have those bikes, are very stereotypically bro. And I will say that I was hoping to see some very very stereotypical bro people get upset that Santa Cruz released a bike called a Mega Trail. Because, you know, the, the, la- the first syllable of the word is very similar to Mega... Yeah, whatever... Santa Cruz released the Mega Tower. I've had too much whiskey, and Gorilla Gravity has the Mega Trail. So I was hoping to see some butthurt stereotypical bros, and I haven't. So I'm I'm very, like, I'm like 1% disappointed by that. All right, and then um, I think that's it. There was something I was going to say, and it just isn't important, obviously. Oh, I dealt with a bunch of those bikes, and they all side-loaded the shock, so... Yeah. If you can show me an alloy Gorilla Gravity where you can take the upper shock eyelet bolt out, pull the shock out, and you don't have to like align the shock by a couple of millimeters to put the shock back in the upper shock eyelet, um, boy howdy, I'll like buy you a sandwich. But I've dealt with only a handful of them, and everyone did it. So sample size of like six, but you know, hundred percent rate. So there you have it. That's it. That's the show. Sorry. Not sorry. I didn't build it out of alignment. Ding, dang. Thanks for listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Until next time, take care.